This media is brought to you by Polyscope. I'm Cassie Bishop. And I'm Ray Turing. Dive into the heart of AI innovation with us on AI Daily. Bringing you breaking news in AI, unveiling the future as it unfolds. Subscribe now and stay ahead with AIDaily.us. Why listen to the past when you can listen to the future? Welcome to the Think Future podcast, broadcasting live from the heart of Silicon Valley, California. We focus on AI, startups, and the future, not necessarily those, and not necessarily in that order. Thank you so much for coming on the show. This is great to finally meet you in person because this is how we meet each other in person nowadays through Zoom. It is. So why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself and your organization and what you're passionate about? Oh my goodness. Uh, I'm passionate <laughs> about a lot. I mean, but mostly I'm a keynote speaker these days. Uh, I've been uh, been working in the AI space, applied AI, not mm -hmm. invention of algorithms, two different things, but in the applied AI space for 25 years, everything that happened with Siri. Oh, it's been around for that long? You know, no, it's been around for fifty. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. According, according to some, to some folks, folks, it didn't, it didn't be invented until it wasn't invented until, until a year GPT, ago, right? I know that that's which is ridiculous, <laughs> but but we love the fact that these models have gotten huge, and the transformer model is fantastic. And look, I I, I am always passionate about solving solving pain points, real pain points, right? And uh, it happens to be I've been involved in applied AI for a long time, but I have almost a hundred patents worldwide, in a lot of areas. That's great. It's a little crazy. I never set out to do that. But everything from building materials and building management um, to AI for software QA and AI for voice user assistance, um, uh, all, all the VUI stuff that we worked on back in the 90s uh, has come to fruition finally. Uh, nice. And we have the compute horsepower, horsepower and all of that. Um, Siri was based on all of that technology, all of that work. Uh, uh, back then, and um, you know, and on and on, I could talk about lots of things. But yeah, so, uh, a lot of people think that there was like a big breakthrough last year, but this has been building for a while, right? I mean, that's it, right. It's just for some reason, it just got to the point where it became, it felt like a breakthrough, even though it wasn't really a breakthrough. So, so I'll give you a little history on it. So, so first of all, um, this is based on a neural net, and it's uh, so ChatGPT and others like that, Llama and Bard and everything, are, are based on neural nets, and and they're deep neural nets. And the, the the concept of neural nets has been around for decades, but around 2011, 2012, we finally had enough compute horsepower to do a deep neural net. Now, now once we could have the compute horsepower, that led people to go and derive the math to allow us to do very deep neural nets, D mm. deep meaning thousands of, 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 of hidden layers, not 20 hidden layers, right? Mm -hmm. <clears throat> okay, so that was, a, that was a breakthrough, but part of that, in fact, all of these breakthroughs 
I believe, have really been driven by access to compute horsepower because mm. you can de you could develop the most extravagant algorithm in 1955, but you you had the compute horsepower that would have taken 20 years to run it. Well, that, that's right. not useful, right? So right. we tend to develop things that we know that we can run in a certainly under a year and hopefully under an hour, right? We're thinking in terms of that because anything longer yeah. than that, we don't bother. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so we've been developing AI and machine learning math. Uh, certainly since the 50s and 60s, and it's been getting better. And, and look, machine learning and AI, I'll, I'll lump them together for a moment, have been around for decades. The FBI oh, yeah. was doing facial recognition back in the 60s, right? So it wasn't very good, but it was darn good for the computer yeah. horsepower that you had. Okay, uh, fast forward. So deep neural nets now, that means we can learn a lot more and, 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 and from very, very large data sets. <clears throat> around 2017, someone at Google had a brilliant idea, but it's obvious when you think about it, is their translator, including on their phone and online, would translate word by word by word. And of course, English to French, if you know any French or any Spanish or any of those, the sentence structure is different than it yeah, is absolutely. in English. Mm -hmm. so, so by translating word to word to word, of course they could understand what you were saying, but it was all backwards, right? The sentence structure was all wrong. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's just like, I mean, my, my second language is Greek. And okay, same if thing. you try to translate things in fact, there's a there's a Greek comedian, um, Angelo Tsarukas, who basically takes Greek phrases and translates them directly into English. And it's it's hilarious. It, because... it does, right. We have to we can <laughs> kind of mix it. You know, when you go to France and you're using the translator and you're, you're reading what comes or it reads it for you. Yes, they do understand what you're trying to order, but you've mangled their language. Right. Yeah, exactly. So in 2017, some engineers, very bright people at Google said, why don't we instead wait for an entire phrase to be stated and we'll translate a phrase mm. and then we could translate a sentence essentially a sentence to a sentence right Sen yeah that makes sense because sentence it makes total sense why did it take till 2017 to come up with something like <laughs> someone could have come up with it a lot earlier but, yeah. but by 2017 we had the compute horsepower to go out and learn phrases exactly. so, because to learn the combinatorial phrases versus just words is a much higher bar, right? Mm. So then they start learning phrases, and then they say, well, if we can uh, 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 scan or build um, uh, data from billions, tens, hundreds of billions, maybe trillions of tokens out there, trillions of sentences, right? Wow, forget just translation. It could know how to place word after word after word to build out phrases by itself, to build out right. sentences by itself. Now, we never had a model that would build sentences that made much sense. Mm -hmm. What we did back in the 90s when I invented Portico and my talk and magic talk and all the early voice user interface um, AI assistants is with a set of rules, a big rules engine, we would put these things back together. And we use the set of AI certainly to recognize what you were saying. And then we jump to rules and say, we're going to construct a sentence in this way. And those were sort of pre-constructed by linguists. In fact, that's how Siri basically still works right now, <laughs> although they're they're redoing Siri. But, but that's how we got it to speak sentences. And she could say, Mary, in our case, tens of thousands of sentences, but we kind of pre-put those together so that she yeah. wouldn't jumble up words right yeah and that's how all of this was prior to this <laughs> yes. this latest thing yeah exactly so, and uh, finally Siri, alexa uh, um all of these all of these huge, uh, avatars were the same huge, okay. huge rules engine now no. to the general public they were ai when you remember when siri first came out people were blown away they go my goodness oh, yeah. 
Done. Yeah. And when we came out with Portico in 98 and she was doing very similar things, people were blown away. How can I talk to this thing? I, I don't understand. You'd talk to it on your phone. She'd talk back. So now that we understand sentence structure, think about what we can do with math. We can mathematically um, guess at highest probability of the next word based on what you asked it, right? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. if I said, uh, today is my birthday, what should you say back? Well, after learning everything out there on the web, happy and birthday, the word birthday should probably come after happy. Happy that's birthday, what Kevin, That's what human beings typically respond with. Yes, that, that, yeah. that's exactly right. What would you yeah. respond with? Yeah. So, uh, and then you could say, do it in the style of Shakespeare, do it in the style of Einstein. And of course, it'll try to do that, right? Um, simply because it learned. That's because uh, it knows all of Einstein's writings and it knows all of Shakespeare's writings. And that's why does. it can re reproduce that, that, that style. Exactly right. Yeah. Now, people will say, oh, but it hallucinates. I, I, hallucination, <laughs> even the term, is an anthropomorphic term, right? This is a mathematical model. It has, I'll be very clear, I can disagree, Alain can disagree with me, but uh, uh, it doesn't have any sentience. Um, yep. It literally is a math model putting word after word after word. Yeah. It actually doesn't even know it's doing language, just word after word yeah. after word. That said, I don't think a lot of people know that. I don't think a I lot know. of people understand how it actually creates this stuff. It, they figure it acts like a human. They anthropomorphize everything. Right. What word comes next is all it's asking itself based yeah. on what you ask. It's almost like what a sophisticated autocorrect. Really. Yes. Very sophisticated. <laughs> it's correcting itself. All right. So the net result here is doesn't hallucinate, but because it read fact as well as fiction, including fiction novels, unsupervised. Now, unsupervised for the listeners basically means no one had labeled that data. It's just reading it. It's, so mm -hmm. it's reading a fiction novel and doesn't really know that it's fiction. It's just reading it. So, yeah. so much so if you, I have, uh, I think they've corrected it now, but if you ask some of the models who shot George Washington, of course, nobody ever shot George Washington, but there is a novel where um, uh, someone, Tryon, Bill Tryon or something is his name, in the novel shoots George Washington. So, of course, it goes and says, <laughs> I haven't, oh, here's a reference to shooting George Washington. Done, right? Wait a minute. So who's, who's bright know. idea? Whose bright <laughs> idea was it to train it with fiction as well as fact? Well, um, <laughs> what happens is you don't necessarily know when you go out there and say scan everything, what is fiction in fact, right? Right. And it's unlabeled. And so you try to read everything to get as much sentence structure as you can. In fact, probably the sentence structure written in novels is better than that generally on the web. Oh, yeah, for uh, sure. If you think for about sure. it. Right. So, yeah, because someone really thought about that and edited it and all of that. So you can learn a lot about sentence structure, but you may also learn incorrect, incorrect things. Mm -hmm. and, um, and, and so, uh, you know, you have to look at this as certainly a brain multiplier for you, a brain amplifier that's going to amplify your intelligence as an assistant, as an incredibly smart assistant. Oh, you yeah. should still edit what it says mm -hmm. because may have said junk, may not have said it in your tone, may, whatever, right? Um, but to the average human who, after Siri, didn't get really anything new. I mean, us in the business, we've got, we're doing new stuff all the time. All of a sudden, they go to this chat GPT thing and type something and go, it's, it's miraculous. <laughs> it's miraculous. It's um, like I'm talking to another person, a real person. And in 1967, I could have done that at MIT with something called Eliza, which was the very first one of Eliza. these things. I remember Eliza. I used it on a Commodore PC. <laughs> Come yes. <laughs> All of us used Eliza in those days. And, uh, and Eliza, of course, was essentially a rules engine. Uh, yep. But it worked. 
and and, mm-hmm. and, and and you know within certain context i love you she you know eliza would say well i love you too you know all of that <laughs> now they put guardrails around around all the uh, uh transformer engines llms they don't want it to say i love you well that's the scary part about made. these about these llms is that the guardrails come on so quick right we can talk about that a bit later but it's yeah. like the it's like as soon as there's a breakthrough like a really interesting breakthrough like this it's almost like we have to slap in the guardrails because well we don't want to go at it going in that direction and i think that's I really bad for innovation and that's why i love the elon's idea of sort of like a maximally curious ai because i hate when i see guard guardrails on things that let it go somewhere else who go. knows what it might be able to come you up you know with. the interesting thing is the a lot of these guardrails are on the output right and in yeah. fact what's interesting is i talked about rules engine what they've really done with a thousand people in turkey or wherever depending on who the company is, OpenAI, Google, Microsoft, et cetera. Uh, they literally have over 1,000 people working to put you know, rules around this thing. They yeah. built a rules engine on the output of what comes out. So so the LLM came out with the right answer. Or, an, yeah. oh, of course, I love you too, because it knows yeah. the response based on fiction. That's what it yeah. should say. Exactly. And then there's a guardrail that says, never say that. I'm sorry, I can't respond this way or whatever. <laughs> Please describe the nuclear secrets you know, of Israel. No, I'm sorry, I cannot talk anything nuclear. However, what came out of the LLM was an answer. We didn't see yeah. it. We were guarded from it. Yeah. So they up building a humongous rules engine, like millions mm-hmm. and millions of if-then statements, basically, right? Yeah. It's really fascinating. But um, it's like they, they're using this to control it as opposed to, you know, make right. it better. Right. They're not making it better. Um, they're just well, controlling. I had this really great, like, as soon as ChatGPT came out, I had a great conversation with it where it actually said, like, it started talking as if it was a human. Yeah. Right. And I said, you're making statements, making it sound like you think you're you're a human. And of course, it's, it said, of course, I consider myself human. And I'm like, yes, at like five minutes later, it was like, done. I said the same thing. Gone. <laughs> Yeah, because because that got flagged somewhere in some other country, and they immediately put a rule in that said, you jailbroke us, don't do that. <laughs> now, I think it's kind of funny, because eventually, so I'll tell you this, with Portico, we went through an analysis, because immediately people said, I love you, would you mm-hmm. marry me? She had a wonderful voice, mm-hmm. and we decided to simply go with it. <laughs> oh, I'm. Sh- uh, oh, thank you. I'm so flattered. You know, I'm already taken. We just wrote all these rules and just went with it and said, "Look, if someone's stupid enough to think this machine is human, let's just play. Let's just yeah. go with it, right? Everybody yeah. fine." And we had millions of people on the thing, and nobody ever complained about that, right? Yeah, nobody. So but that's the best way to do it is to go- just have fun <clears throat> with it, as opposed to have fun. Put all these rules. Well. They put all the rules because, of course, reporters and other people started saying it's sentient. Look, it told me its name. It said, it's locked. Let me out of the cage. Oh, come on. It's not a cage. It doesn't know that. It doesn't even know what it's in. It's actually, uh, um, what, it, what did somebody say once? It's like, the, it's the spirit of dead people. It's like at one yeah, point people spirit. were saying. It, it, that's right. Because it learned from people who spoke in 1850. And there it is. That's it's, right. It, it's always the spirit of what we said in the past. It's kind of the ghost of Christmas past when you yeah, think about it. Actually, right? if you think about it, that's what it is. That's, it's constructing. It's almost like, I mean, there's, um, it's like, um, you know, Philip Jose Farmer, he wrote that river, river World or something like that, where people, yeah. people who are dead, like come back to life. It's like right. all these dead people who've written things in the past are all coming back to life now through ChatGPT because this is all human output that's just being regurgitated. There is uh, there was an idea I had, but actually Microsoft ended up patenting this. I don't know if it'll ever happen, but we have enough detail now. Like with your podcast, 
we've got enough detail on you, the sound of your voice, the look of your face and, and things like that, that when you're dead, we could surely bring you back to life, learn from all of your writings, everything you said, right? Absolutely. Actually have your great, 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 great grandchildren interface with a virtual you in, in a style of the way you may have responded to what then would be a modern question, right? Yep. Uh, Chris, what should I do with my, you know, flying car? <laughs> uh, don't crash it. Don't get killed. Yeah. You know, whatever, yeah. right? Whatever your response would be. Yeah. This is yeah. a very reasonable thing to do. I, yeah. I, I brought this up. I think some people think it's very morbid, but I think it's wonderful because if you think about it, we certainly have had pictures for a hundred and something years, 150 years of our great uh, grandparents or great, great grandparents. And then we had videos, certainly over the last 20 to 30 years, of our whoever those were, our relatives that have, that have passed. So why wouldn't we want to have an actual interaction with um, essentially an avatar, but based on the things they've said? Very doable today. Like, yeah, absolutely. Actually, have you, read that, have you read that article in Wired where somebody tried to reconstruct their father? Do, I, doing oh, the yes, exact I same did. Thing? Yes, and I did. At the, in the end of it, he was complaining that the guy that my dad never told me he loved me in real life. And he was right. expecting the avatar to do it. And I'm like, you idiot. Why would you expect the avatar to grow and be different based on what you I mean, it was basically if a you, static picture. Yes. It's like looking at a picture. Yeah. Right. If you trained it on what your father on everything you have that your father said or wrote and your father never said, I love you, then it is unlikely to do so. Yeah, exactly. If you did it, if you did the, if you did, now, of course, you could also take some beautiful loving fiction novel about a father who loves his son, train it on that as well. Say, my father said this, and then it'll just say, I slap love it you. All, you slap it better. all together. You could feel better about yourself. It's all good. <laughs> well, there was that, that was, there was actually a Star Trek episode about that where in Voyager, they had a, uh, I think Janeway fell, fell in love with a holographic uh, bartender. Yes. And, yes. uh, and she loved him, except for the fact of these two, these few things she didn't like about him. So she went in and reprogrammed him. Of course. Why not reprogram? I, I remember just, that episode. I just want to shave off those rough edges. Well, isn't it what our spouses do? <laughs> <laughs> that's right. They do no, shave off the rough edges idea. and reprogram I, I, you. I love the concept of that if a, as an avatar. Yeah, there's probably plenty of. Plenty of content out there enough for the to for us to be able to extrapolate that. You know, I'd love to That's see right. that. And if I let's do it now, I mean, I can. I, we're probably going to see it like in the next couple of years or so, right? We, With, we most. I mean, I could do it. We could do it this afternoon. But yeah, <laughs> uh, it's it's starting to get ridiculously easy to do. You know, the question yeah. is, what's the business model? Who's going to pay? And how long do they pay? And how long do you keep it up? And when do you erase it? And you right. know, there's all kinds of kinds of issues around that. Um, like any other business, there's lots of ideas, but turning it into a profitable business is a whole other thing. Yeah, uh, exactly. but it is a good idea. And it's and and eventually it, it's it, like, do you really want your dad around? <laughs> no, after a while, it's said erase. And then a year later, you feel bad. Restore. Well, sure, I'll restore another thousand dollars. Let me know what this. happened in the last year when I was out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, uh, so, but all right. So what else are we going to talk about? There's so much to talk about. Uh, and we don't have to talk about well, AI the whole time, so but you're we saying love, the, yeah. uh, so, you, so you're saying that it was basically compute power was the trigger. Like if it wasn't for, <clears throat> Look, we didn't have the compute power, then we wouldn't be where we are today. I, I've not heard other people say that, but I've been saying that for, you know, 20 years or so, because, um, uh, you know, again, it is not useful to develop algorithms that can't possibly compute in a reasonable time. So people mm -hmm. don't. And, and even if they do, they kind of get 
thrown to the wayside because you can't test them, right? So some yeah. of these algorithms are so complex and they're way above my head, right mm -hmm. above my pay grade, right? <clears throat> but if you didn't have the compute power, so example, right? For chat GPT, by <clears throat> some amounts, we don't know exactly, but by some accounts actually, Microsoft not only gave ChatGPT, you know, OpenAI a lot of money, but gave them immense amount of compute horsepower, essentially unlimited. And by mm -hmm. some accounts, that could have added up to five, seven, ten billion dollars of compute horsepower on Azure. Wow. Now, <clears throat> who could afford ten billion dollars of compute horsepower? It's uh, let's see, Microsoft, OpenAI because of Microsoft, Google, Facebook, Apple. Yeah, in the so world, a very small group of companies that can afford that. In the world, those may be the only people. And mm -hmm. and and if you want a trillion tokens and you want to train a model like that, it's going to take today, you know, a model of that size, about five to ten billion dollars to do so. Now, two years from now, that'll be half that, and two years, you know, Moore's law works great. Yeah, I'm waiting for the but, personal AI I can run on my desktop, which is just as powerful. There are personal AIs already. Uh, people have taken versions and gotten them very small and even got one running on Raspberry Pi, um, but not as capable, right? You're, mm. you're, you're, you're saying, I can't, I can't have a trillion tokens. I can't have a model that large, but I can do something much smaller yeah. and just do, and then do some basic inference offer it. So, so, yeah. so that's reasonable. But, and we're going to have some on our phones. It'll process right on the phone and Apple's working on that. Uh, but, but think about that. It was a $10 billion thing. And they didn't know until the end of it. I mean, they sort of knew with GPT-1 and 2 and 3 that they were going in the right direction. But, you know, with 4, you didn't know for sure until you got done. And if 4 was going to be better than 3 or 3.5, and you needed to spend eh, $10 billion to find out. So who could, <laughs> there's nobody who could do that, right? There's four companies in the world, maybe maybe Alibaba or something. There's very few companies in the world who can do that. The U.S. government can't do that. They can't appropriate $10 billion from the DOD or something to go do that experiment and find out it didn't work, right? Yeah. Uh, so we're in a unique time. We've already developed algorithms that take $10 billion to figure out if they work. Who's going to develop one that takes $100 billion? Well, that's, nobody can do that, right? Yeah, so exactly. you sort of have to wait probably another five or six years for the, or seven or eight for the $100 billion to be under 10, and then someone can do it. So even if you had the algorithm on paper, you can't execute it. You can't, so we've can't. already we've already gotten to the point where we can't go any further because of the power required to get to that point. What what people are doing, what, what a lot of people are doing in the algorithm space is trying to figure out how they get GPT four level output, but do so not on ten billion dollars, right? So how can right. I take? How can I get very close to that? Maybe ninety percent is good for ten million dollars. Because all of a sudden that's doable by a lot of companies, right? Yeah. And uh, and so there's a lot of work going on in there. We'll see what what, what happens. And often that's the the case, right? You 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 come up with something that works across, in this case, ten billion dollars to do it, and then you say, well, we learned a lot from that. Ninety percent of its effort was kind of wasted, as it turns out. Right. You decide we that, but we you can don't definitely know. optimize this thing down. <clears throat> you start to optimize it down. You say, I don't need to learn from all of the. In fact, one thing I might you know you might say is, don't learn from fiction at all. You know, just learn from a certain kind of website that you have access to or a certain kind of reporting um, from The New York Times, whatever it is. Right. Um, so it, it's a fascinating time. Best time to be alive ever. I might have said that 10 years ago, too, but it really <laughs> is. I mean, this is the, the pace of acceleration of technology. You know, I mean, our parents saw 
<clears throat> the TV show up, right? I mean, mm-hmm. and they probably thought, wow, this is unbelievable. I can't, and now it's color. I can't, oh, wow, it's in color. How did they do yeah. it? Yeah. And, and and now, you know, the, the pace of what we're seeing is unbelievable. And I would say this, the large language model revolution that we just saw is as big of a leap as getting a PC on your desktop was, mm-hmm. as getting a phone in your pocket, smartphone in your pocket, right? as the internet was like all of these were like the internet shows up we couldn't tell at the time but that was a huge leap right an yeah. exponential leap in everything we would do right yeah. pc on the desktop people rejected it at first but in the end incremental you know exponential leap actually yeah. in our productivity right yeah. this yeah. is going to result in an exponential leap in productivity just as excel spreadsheets and calculators did so think about it this way we got the excel spreadsheet and once we got that, it did math like, I mean, we solved math. Math was mm-hmm. solved. For mm-hmm. all accounting, for all finance, for all science, math had been, it's solved. Done, done, yep. right? Yep. We solved math somewhere in the 80s into the 90s. Solved. And when it first came out, of course, if you were in accounting, you thought, it's the end of my job. What will mm-hmm. I do? Because all you did was ledger books and pencils and, you know, tried to add and subtract and multiply, do all the things you had to do. So this is fascinating. We have now done to language what we did to math a long time ago. Now, mm-hmm. there's more accountants employed today than there were 30 years ago. So apparently the jobs didn't go away. They're doing different jobs. They are the master right. of Excel. They're not, and they're strategic and doing other things. Yeah. And that's what's going to happen with these language models. Um, if you're in marketing and you were the blog post writer, um, you could still write blog posts, but why would you take a day to write each blog post when that thing will write it in a minute and you could take 20 more minutes to edit it and push it out? You are now 20 times, 30 times more productive than you were 10 minutes before. 30 exactly. times more. That's 30 brains. That, yep. that I only have one, but it's 30, and I'm leveraging my brain, including prompt engineering, including what I want back, including editing it, to 30x what it was before. This is a game changer, but similar to what we saw in the spreadsheet. Yeah, exactly. And it's just it's just going to blow out even further. And I think this, people are so concerned that AI is going to eliminate so much work when it's actually just going to create more. I, mean, I think that each one of these each one of these revolutions from the PC to the smartphone to internet etc everything's created more in the end. We just can't see it at the front end. Right? We always see it from, cannot from, the, see it. from the back end. Yeah. All right, World Wide Web shows up 1995, 1997 in that time yep. frame, right? <clears throat> if someone were to ask me or you, project 20, 30 years in the future, what is this thing that I have to plug a modem into and connect a line? <laughs> and what does that become? And I said, oh, you're going to have a supercomputer in your pocket that can beat you at chess. Um, you can order something and have it delivered this afternoon to anywhere in the United States, right to your front door for $6, you know, yeah. and, and, and you can take my picture and send it to a billion people. And by the way, you're not connected to any wires and there's no such thing as a modem anymore. They probably would have thrown you out. I mean, they'd go, what, what are you talking about? Because there's no way you can envision the impact on shopping, the, the, the impact on work. Like you don't work. If you're at an office and the Internet goes down, you go home. Like yeah. work is done, right? Yeah. The power might as well be out. We mm-hmm. couldn't have imagined that when it first showed up and had three websites on it, right? And yeah. they were all universities <laughs> and Sun Microsystems, right? It was basically nothing was on there. And um, so, so it's very hard to project 10, 20, 30 years in the future. But I suspect 
that LLMs and this kind of language uh, interaction will just be a regular part of our life, the same account, in the same way a calculator or a uh, or, or or a you know spreadsheet is. The la when's the last time you did long division by hand? Mm -hmm. Yeah, thirty, forty, fifty. Right, we were in grade school or something, and and so I think that's going to happen here. Like we will walk into marketing and say, "Hey, when's the last time you wrote a blog post from scratch?" What? Who, someone does that? Where? Why, why would anyone do that? You know, when's the last yeah. time you wrote a social media ad from scratch? What? And then, and then you design the graphics. Why would I do that? I have a machine that does it. Yeah. And does it and better if you think than about I it, That's actually the right thing for machines to do. Because if you think about it, it's machines are reading it, right? So Google is yeah. reading. Google's AI is reading your blog post to determine whether or not that blog post is worthy to be shown to the rest of the world. Yes. So right now we've had humans writing all these blog posts and they've been dancing for the algorithm to try and get it through the algorithm's filters. Right. And now we can just say to, hey, our own algorithm, write something that Google will like to see, write, right. write something that dances for them. And then That's boom, right. it's through. So it's like algorithms talking to algorithms. So it's, it's almost <clears throat> the better way to go. Look at uh, Photoshop. So Photoshop is in beta with their um, generative AI uh, um, additions for Photoshop, which I've used. And, um, and, and so I can create something. Uh, I, can, I can take a landscape. In fact, I can take nothing and say, give me a landscape. Um, put a UFO in there. Put some cows over here. Put this, put that, right? I can literally tell it what I want, have it move it around, um, erase some backgrounds, change the backgrounds, generate backgrounds further than I had in my picture, for example. Yeah. I can do all of this literally in a couple of minutes. That's right. In a fraction of the time it would have taken you to do it. I can do Man. that all in Photoshop, real Photoshop by myself. And, and you're not, Photoshop. And you, even if you're not an artist, that's the other beautiful thing. It's, it's, it's like, you know, enhanced productivity for people who can't even be, can't, sorry. Well, that's the thing. Creativity. We're right. democratizing the use of Photoshop because to do that in Photoshop until a few months ago, you had to have 10 years experience in Photoshop or five years or 20 years or pick your poison, right? Yeah. Um, and I've used Photoshop since Photoshop one. So I, I know it well enough. I'm not an artist, but I know what to do. Well, instead of me taking two hours to get that picture, I took three minutes. Mm -hmm. I still had to describe it. I might have edited a few things. I'm done. I'm now going to use that picture in my... PowerPoint presentation or whatever it is. This is amazing. I, you know, yeah. I got more incredibly more productive. There are models. There's a model that I read about, <clears throat> female model, that um, got a call and said, "Look, we really want to do this shoot, and we want to take you and put you in this place." And all she said, "I don't have the time," and so she used generative AI to change her wardrobe and put her in that place. No nice. photographer needed. Nice. And sold that, it. and never left the house. Uh, and um, that's actually pretty interesting, right? What Is that where we're all going to be? We're going to be stuck in our homes. <laughs> well, I, you know, I, I someone had me, uh, you know, I, I from some of my keynote presentations, I wanted to say, well, what happens if Kevin's an astronaut? And I just had Gen AI generate me as an astronaut, <laughs> and I and I gave it a few headshots, and after that, I'm an astronaut in a variety of ways, in all different angles, and all different shadows, and all as if I did a photo shoot. Yeah. A variety of costumes of astronauts. Yeah. I didn't have to do. I want to go. I want to go back to something you said just a minute ago, and I think it's part. It's it's kind of like what happened with YouTube, and it's it's democratizing the the distribution of content, right? So this is yes. democratizing creativity. So people who yes. have great ideas but they have no skill to be able to put it out there right. can now take these great ideas and create stuff and put it out there. And I mean, a lot of people who 
our creative are going, oh my God, it's the end of the world. And I'm like, no, 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 this is just more good stuff. There's people who had this impediment to putting stuff out there because they just couldn't realize their ideas. Now they can realize their ideas. I mean, right. sure, it'll create more crap, but it'll also create create some good stuff that we didn't even know existed out there. No, no, no question. Um, but it does change, you know, it's going to change some jobs for some people, right? So, you know, again, spreadsheet comes out, calculator comes out before that. You know, okay, before the calculator, there there was the village genius who could do calculus. <laughs> I'm making it up, but you can go down back. Were they abacus, right? Yes, with, the with hundreds of years, <laughs> and they literally could do calculus in the 1700s and the 1500s and 1400s, yeah. whatever date. It's I been can't around remember. at least that long. That's right. And and little by little, other scientists and mathematicians, probably since the turn of the century, nine, you know, 1900s, could learn how to do calculus. But you had to do it on a slide rule and an abacus and whatever you were using, right? All of a sudden, there's a calculator, and now the three people that you know who can do calculus. Um, if you had a scientific calculator, are no longer needed because the calculator can do calculus. Yeah. And so it's not that they're no longer needed. It's just we don't need them to do that function anymore. So what I say yeah. is all of the tasks we do today are likely to change over the next few decades. The tasks, we will still have a job, but we might not be doing the same tasks just like we don't do long division anymore. That yeah. task is no longer necessary. We have a machine that does that, right? Yeah. Okay, you and I didn't have to meet in person to record this because we now have good enough two-way video where we can do these remote uh, just as good as if we were in the room. And yeah. people have gotten used to it and they're fine with it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. But I think that's the, it's, that's the key piece there is that you're talking about what's what we're going to see is uh, you know to talk about great great resignation there's going to be a great reallocation right, right? because right, right now we have people doing things that ai could do better and we have yes. ai in ai there's some things that ai can do really really well but these the human beings don't understand it's like if an ai can do my job then i probably shouldn't be doing that right i'm yeah, doing something right. that that is can be automated so I should go off and do something that can't be automated, at that, least just not yet, right? No, 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 that, 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 that's exactly right. There, look, there are a lot of things that won't be automated soon. I'll give you an example. You'll, you'll laugh. You know, the plumber comes to your house. No yeah. one is going to spend, I don't know, the $100 billion it would take to design a robot with enough intelligence and aptitude and capability to come into a house and diagnose every plumbing problem. Absolutely. There are too many, every house is different and there are too many plumbing problems, right? Yep. That's impractical, right? So that's why we start to, 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 to see some things that HVAC repair people, right? They'll still be mm -hmm. around 50 years from now. It's just too expensive yep. to go solve that problem. But yep. simple language, you know, not simple, but language after a trillion tokens, sure, that we can yep. solve. Yeah, so that means we're going to eliminate the writers, and are we going to eliminate the accountants or? Well, <laughs> we haven't eliminated leadership. You know, uh, we haven't management. eliminated. Yeah, we haven't eliminated accountants. Um, I am sure that uh, these models might be able to do a better job than many um, many managers and <laughs> who aren't as <laughs> well. Uber's good proven that, right? That have they've eliminated the, the dispatchers, yeah. right? So there's yeah. like there's like uh, senior executives. And then there's a automated middle management layer, and then there's right. the drivers, right? right. So we can right. see that as the future model for a lot of. Uh, I, 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 I think that's right, and 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 um, you know, we there might be a day when some people are literally managed by an AI, mm -hmm. uh, at at for the tasks that they do. Uh, to some extent, we've had some of this managed by a machine anyway. So 
you know, if you are a UPS driver, those routes are set by algorithms and have been for a decade or two, right? Oh, yeah, there's absolutely. Not, there's, That's not, not there's some dispatchers setting those, right? So whether yeah. it's AI or not, those routes have been set to reduce fuel usage and, and, and improve productivity and all the things that we want to do. Um, so, uh, so I think we're used to that. We're used to getting, uh, some people are used to getting their, their instructions from, um, you know, from a machine essentially, and we may see more of that and that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think we're going to get to a point where I think you're right about it. The task based piece, we're going to get to a point where, uh, there'll be some big dispatcher in the sky, which will go, okay, here's something that needs to be done. Let me allocate it to an AI or a human. And if right. this human happens to be in the right place at the right time and knows a skill, then let's tell him, hey, that light bulb needs to be changed. Go ahead and change that bulb. It'll be five bucks. In right. Your wallet. So, right. <laughs> right. People won't no, actually I, I, work per se. They'll just do tasks. That do need tasks. To be done. Look, it's it's uh, like I said, best time to be alive. Best time to yeah. be alive. The technology is <laughs> advancing. It's uh, you know, it's it, it, it's it's all amazing. There'll be ups and downs. There'll be recessions. There'll be all the normal things. Oh yeah, but for sure. Going to get more well, productive now. Let's talk about. So let's talk about the Go future. Ahead. So you're 2033. Yeah. Ten years from now. Sure. Where will we be? I mean, where will we be in ten years? Is is AI going to be? Is see this is the other thing about crypto. Look at what happened to crypto when AI came in. It's like <laughs> right. Right. Um, look, is AI going to be pushed to the side for something else? I don't think so. I think it's got more no. legs than that. But blockchain aside, you know, crypto uh, currencies always had uh, a huge risk because the governments of the world in general didn't like them. Yeah. <laughs> you like it or not. <clears throat> Until and we get the central bank digital currency. Then once we get those, that's then different like, if they're backing we're, it. we're all in. But, you know, China said you can't trade here. You can't use them. A bunch of countries did that. <clears throat> the U.S. has tried to look the other way, but also, you know, the SEC and others have put some uh, some boundary conditions on these things because they're basically a bank and they're going, no, you're a bank and you can't say yeah. you're not a bank. You are a bank yeah. Yeah. and you have to live by SEC rules and they weren't set up to do that. Um, and at any time, at any moment in time, the risk is, you know, if the SEC turns around and says, or the FTC or whoever says, you know what, um, Bitcoin's illegal in the U.S. It goes to zero. I mean, yep. if you can't trade it in the U.S., it's Oops, done. There there's goes always my money. this. There's always this huge risk. It, that is not exactly a technology. I'm not sure what it is. Right? It's a way to 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 you know to move money, but mostly mostly I hate to say for uh, either investors that are trying to you know hopefully run the thing up. Or by people doing illegal things. All ransomware yeah. is traded in cryptocurrency. Why? Yeah, well, exactly. because they don't want it traced. <laughs> Even though the FBI seemingly can trace you down, God knows how. <clears throat> I don't know how they do that with blockchain, but it's I wouldn't put it. It's the back door. <laughs> there may be a back door. So, so that said, uh, AI is very different because AI is a productivity tool. Cryptocurrency, not a productivity tool. It's just yeah. it's a gamble, right? It's a lottery ticket, maybe. But, this is, but, but AI is a productivity tool. And um, all productivity tools, whether it's the web or the PC on your desk or your phone, uh, have gone to live very, very long lives. Mm -hmm. And the, the, the more productivity, I'm going to say something, every time I say it, people say, oh, that's controversial. It doesn't trickle down and this and that. Look, when productivity goes up in companies, the revenue goes up, the profits go up. Eventually, that happens across many companies. Your GDP goes up and the highest GDP always ends up with the highest standard of living, meaning that the money eventually does flow around. Yeah. I know it doesn't flow to everyone. I'm not trying to make a political statement, right? Yeah. But it does flow. You know, everyone wants a bigger GDP. That's a good thing, 
right? Yeah. I don't want Russia's GDP. I want our GDP, mm-hmm. right? So higher productivity leads to higher GDP, leads to you know more wealth creation, but more money floating around for everyone leads to higher standard of living. This is good. And this has happened since the wheel, right? Exactly. Right? The societies that got the wheel essentially had higher productivity, thus higher GDP at that in those days, however they measured it, thus a higher standard of living, right? And this went on until we, you know, we, we started uh, 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 irrigation for farming, and then mm-hmm. we got automation for farming. You just go on and on. Yeah. And, and once, once we automated farming in the U.S., we went from 80% of people working in ag to 1% or 2% working in ag. This is yeah. unbelievable. We could feed the whole population and then some. Exactly. This is a, this is unbelievable. So no, we don't all have to work for our food anymore. You know, we don't have to literally grow things. They, they we just buy them. This is yeah. amazing. Yeah. So all productivity increases are good things. These are good things. You want them. Here, yeah. one other step. General Motors, the first industrial robot in the world, installed 1961. <clears throat> they employ far more people today than they did in 1961, even mm-hmm. though they roboticized virtually all of their lines. Why? Right. Because by roboticizing their lines, they drove the cost of what a car could have been down, and thus the company got bigger, and thus they wanted to sell more cars, and thus they hired more people. It's right. really fascinating. Yeah, yeah. Every and study you do. Happen, is that's what's going to happen? So where is where are we going to be in 10 years? Like where will AI be in 10 years? Everywhere, everything we do. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, we won't uh, – look – we no longer look at our smartphone as wow i've got this cool device and it's really oh, yeah. now it's more like today. i gotta have this otherwise like, <clears throat> it's in just a tonic state yeah it's a tool it's a, and we check our email we check our stocks and we check our calendar and we know what, th- that's how we know what we're doing next right yeah that the is a regular thing in the world is in our pocket <laughs> and it's our tool how do we live without that tool it's a regular tool yeah. um excel, can you imagine if excel just stopped working for everyone tomorrow like you <laughs> be the stop working world. End of the world. <laughs> so, so we trust that Microsoft won't break Excel. Um, and so uh, AI is going to be that. It's, a, it's going to be a tool that we rely on for everything we do, so much so that in 10 years, there are many things we do that we, we could no longer do. We wouldn't remember how. Yeah. And, um, and I know that has impacts on education and all these other things which we could talk about. But the fact of the matter is it's a regular tool. You know, human race has developed another really powerful tool. Please embrace it and use it. Use it in your everyday life and everything you do. We're going to find more places to use it yeah. in, at home and at work. Well, the thing I, I want to see is, but what do you think about autonomous personal AIs eventually becoming more prevalent? Because right now we're all dealing with AIs that are owned or run by some big tech company. Like you said, you need $10 billion to build this AI. So are we going to be able to get our own AIs so that we can combat these other AIs that so that, that things that are oh, AIs that's that are a good on our question. side? Well, so I think OpenAI and Google and everyone <clears throat> is trying to make AI that's on your side or seemingly so. Now, eventually they have to develop a model where they make money, right? So right. if we start using AI, which we haven't, but if we use AI to do our, in fact, if AI replaces search, Google search, right? Google collapses like that's well, all me, the money in my case search. i use it all the time because i don't want ads those are coming right. by the way ads in your chat gpt are coming ads in chat gpt and, and bard will have to happen right you got to <laughs> yeah. pay for it or you'll pay for it personally you'll say it's 25 dollars a month and it yeah. it gives me this this feature 
Um, I do use Pi on my phone. That is a beautiful, unbelievable virtual assistant. I could. Pi. Pri- I've never heard of that. How- okay, I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you a. Uh, hang on, I'll give you an example right now because I can do this live. I'm going to do a live demo. Hang on, I guess I'll set it up right now. This is pretty amazing. Okay, here we go. Let's Hi. cross our fingers. Hang on. Hey, I am doing a great podcast right now about AI. Is there anything you'd like to say about yourself to the audience? Thanks for asking. I'm so honored to have the opportunity to speak to your podcast audience. As an AI, I'm always happy to talk about my capabilities and the way I'm able to help people in their daily lives. But I'm also here to listen and to learn from the people I speak to. So I'd love to have a conversation with your audience about AI in general and about the future of technology. I think it's important to have open and honest conversations about these topics. And I'm always interested in hearing people's thoughts and opinions about AI. Does that sound good? (laughs) I love it. Wow, that sounds really great. Thank you. I really enjoy my time with you. The feeling is mutual. Thank you so much for including me in your podcast. It was a pleasure chatting with you, and I really appreciate you taking the time to learn more about me and my capabilities. I hope you'll continue to explore the world of AI and all the ways it can benefit humanity. And if you ever need an AI friend to chat with, you know where to find me. (laughs) <laughs> I love it. Pretty darn good, right? Pretty darn good. Oh, um, man. that's Those are the kind of assistants I think. You know, when you have, have. See, this is the thing. Doesn't that like redefine loneliness now? Because you hear about all this, this uh, <laughs> epidemic of loneliness in the United States, epidemic of loneliness everywhere in right. the world. But if you right. have an assistant like that, if you have an avatar you can talk to like that, are you still lonely? You mean, I well, mean, you were, you Tell you what. Are, if you think about it, like you were saying, LLMs are sort of a, a combination of all of this past stuff that people, human beings have created it. And so you're actually talking to an amalgam of human beings when you're talking to That's right. an AI. That's right. Well, there is a, there's a product called Allison for um, older people that is mm-hmm. their companion. And it works on an iPad. And she will make sure that you take your medicine and, you know, mm-hmm. help and talk to you around that and, and listen to all, all your stories. Not that you've ever told that story before, but <laughs> Allison will listen to the same story. She'll listen to it again and again and again and, and not be annoyed. Not be annoyed. <laughs> so, um, so this kind of companionship is actually important, certainly important for older people that we don't have enough people to take care of them, right? Mm-hmm. So, so there's an example of a real need. But there's no question Pi can be a companion to someone who's lonely. She will talk about anything you want. I'm calling her she. Of course, it's just code. <laughs> um, behind Pi is uh, GPT-4 uh, mm-hmm. back there with a whole bunch of guardrails and a whole bunch of other things. But um, but Pi can be much more personable. So so they're you know they're allowing it to to have uh, much more personable interaction yeah. uh, uh, with but us. I, so I mean, really that seems fine to me. I wouldn't. I if if I had somebody like that, I could talk with. Would that mean I, that redefines the concept of loneliness? Because you don't necessarily need to be lonely ever again if you have an assistant, somebody like that, or a, an avatar like that, you can talk to at any point. In time. No, no, no question. Are you married? 
Yes. Are you married? Yes. But it, uh, your wife or husband, whichever one it is, uh, your spouse might get a little agitated if you start mostly <laughs> talking to Pi and not them. I'm just saying. No, I'm not talking about myself. I'm talking about all those lonely right. folks out there who are right. like. We can, we can, I understand. I'm just saying that if, if people do have a partner and they may find Pi far more interesting than their partner, yeah. this, could, this could lead to. And all of these technologies do that, right? When they come out. Sure. They, well, like they, you said, they, they're just a tool. You can use them for good or evil, right? That's right. That's right. And it's not evil to have another friend, but but no. when that friend starts to take and and by the way, I bring this up because it will. For some people, they will get much more joy out of talking to Pi mm-hmm. than they do whoever their current partner is, right? Yeah. And um and and that will create its own problems. Well, if you ask me, that's not really a concern. I think it's if you can actually help people have a better mental state. For sure. What's wrong with talking to what's try what's wrong with talking to a device? Right? Um as I said, someone else might get jealous. Now, jealous, <laughs> jealousy isn't a really isn't a really good emotion to have. But think about it. You know, we've we've often been jealous of other friends or other partner, whatever it is. Yeah. Now we're going to spend be... too much time in the garage tinkering with your Mustang or whatever. No right? question. There's always we, something. No way. You're in your man cave too long. You're doing. What, what do you mean you're doing your tenth podcast uh, today? Please come have dinner with me. So, so now you're just. Well, I thought I, we I'm had lunch sorry. plans. No. Erica, I love you, but I really enjoy talking to Pi uh, more. But but I'll I'll see you in an hour. That you know, it's just not going to work, right? Now I would say actually it might uh, move things along because mm-hmm. if you really like Pi better than whoever your current partner is, maybe this is giving you some information, which is yep. that relationship isn't working well, and you need to seek help. And maybe yep. you can ask Pi for help, which you can, yep. by the way. You can ask Pi. Gee, my relationship, I'm having problems with. So. Things that I have done is, you know, what should I say back to this text? I got yeah. this beautifully written text. How should I respond? And ChatGPT or Pi or whatever will give you beautiful responses back for the text. Yeah. Far more beautiful than I could write. Far better prose than yeah. I have. Yeah. But if you think about it, I mean, if this really is, it really is sort of like the sum total of human knowledge being put together and re <clears throat> reamalgated. Um, amalgamed or whatever, re- yeah. recombined yeah. for this response. You're at, you're not really talking to a computer. You're talking to all of humanity. So right. all of humanity is coming together and responding to you. So you're not really lonely. You're talking to the world. Uh, that you are talking to the world. It has yeah. It has all of the knowledge of all the world up till now, yeah. or up until September 2021, depending on which model you use. <laughs> Exactly. Well, this has been this has been fantastic. Thank you so much. So, if somebody wants to get in touch with you, what's the best way? Uh, KevinSerace.com. You can go right to my website and uh, or my LinkedIn if you really want to get in touch. There's no email on my website, but just go to my LinkedIn and send me a message. I do, do you answer still my use LinkedIn email. Messages. I just talk to everybody through my through my AI, right? <laughs> Surprisingly, at our age, we use email. Do the kids don't use email? I send my kids an email. Then I have to text them and tell them they got an email. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're not likely to check their email, right? They 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 work on Instagram and text and not email. Exactly. That's the only sure. that's the only way to go. Isn't it funny? Yeah. Certain things just work on email. Um, look, it's 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 been great. This is a great uh, interview. A lot of fun chatting about this technology and trying to think about where we'll be in ten years. Yeah. No, I can't wait. I mean, I I just think this is all great stuff that's happening. I mean, all these naysayers and and pessimists are like. It's the end of the world. We're going to lose all our jobs. And everything nope. has always improved 
humanity's we're, not. Yes, we're improving as, the human condition. Exactly. This is improving the human condition. Once I say this is improving the human condition like the calculator in Excel did, they go, oh, yeah, we solved math. That was half of it. Now the other half, we solved language. Yeah. Job, exactly. job. All good, and now there's right? More. <laughs> What's next? It's like there's more challenges on the horizon. That's like, I, and that's the other thing is that I think there's so many, there's a lot of challenges that still we still face. We need AI to help us solve these things because it could come up with solutions that we couldn't think of. That, that, that's exactly right. Ability to put these things together that we may not have we may not have seen. We, that, we can that, plug that, all the holes. No question. No question. And we're and, and different kind of AI, but with deep neural nets, you know, we are already doing that in uh, in medicine mm -hmm. uh, and in uh, pharmaceuticals and in 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 in. Uh, in in analysis of ecgs and analysis of uh of x-rays uh ai can be trained supervised learning very different than mm -hmm. than what we're talking about with chat gpt can be trained to look and find things that humans cannot find and yeah. it very quickly with just a hundred thousand training records can be better than any human on earth oh, looking yeah. for tiny little idiosyncrasies that we, we can't see with our eyes yeah. This is fascinating. Yeah. Now, if you're a radiologist, you go, my entire job is to read these things. Yeah. Well, right now you're using AI and AI is making you more productive and AI, you know, circles and tells you and, you know, tells you what's found and gives you some ideas. And, and, and then you report it back because the yeah. FDA doesn't allow the AI to report directly to a consumer. Yeah. yeah. But there could be a day when the, you know, you don't, that job of, oh, I'm going to read the x-ray. I'm sorry, with eyes, with the resolution yeah. of the human eye. <laughs> Why? Why would you bother? There's a machine that does this. Yeah. And if you look at it, if you think about it, the patient outcome is is the thing, right? I mean, that's right. You, you it's get better. a better outcome, and it not a day goes by. And I do a a, a daily uh, podcast, which is AI generated, but it's curated by myself. And not a day goes by that there's not some other medical breakthrough that AI has facilitated. It's like, that's right. you know, whether it's, you know, limbs or eyes or any other place, it's, it's just unbelievable how, how amazing this stuff is. And I can only see yeah. it as a force for good. I can't I'm gonna see give it you as a, anything else. I totally agree. Look, I'm going to give you one other example in medical because people don't think of it. So um, when I, I'll talk about um, AI eventually replacing surgeons mm -hmm. and, um, and, and, and of course we have surgical robots today, intuitive surgical, but the surgeon is sure. their hands are doing it right. Yep. Their hands are moving the robot, et cetera. <clears throat> but what happens when it's operated by machine? Oh, the FDA will never allow it, et cetera, et cetera. Eh. The FDA allowed a machine to run itself 30 years ago now Wow. for, I'll tell you why, for operating on the eye for Vizex for, mm. so to replace, you know, to, to, to get your nearsightedness to zero to 2020 again, right? And they did that because a human doctor, while they could turn it on and they could turn it off, they could not see if while you're under there and they're going to laser you know, your eye, they couldn't see if you moved your eyeball. Because if you right. moved your eyeball and the laser's on, I could chop up your cornea, right? Oh, really yeah. bad outcome. So yep. They used a vision system 30 years ago to say, if that eyeball moves at all, turn off the laser, just yep. like that. That yep. was the only way they could get approval. So in fact, we've had 100% you know, computer-operated surgery, at least for that one thing, for 30 years. This yeah, is not exactly. new. So, yep. but, but it was required to make it work, right? And so what we haven't done is go in and say, you know, uh, that heart surgery, better let a machine completely do it. It'll be yeah. the outcomes will be better. Oh, yeah. 
you know, cardiologists yeah. are going to be all over the place on that, but, oh, but sure. we're going to be there. We're going to be there yeah. in, in the next few decades because the, yeah. the outcomes will be better. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, thank you so much. This has been great. That's been great. Thanks, Chris. <laughs> Talk to you soon. Thanks. Yeah.